Black Business University is the authority on black business success and black entrepreneurship, bringing you the latest in strategies, tactics, tools, tips, and resources to help you create soaring success. Be sure to rate the show and, of course, let us know what you need to stay ahead of the business curve. Go to blackbusinessuniversity.com to get your free trial of BBU. And now, here's today's episode. You know, I've been in this, in this business, in the, I've owned a training company for five years. For five years, I've owned my training company. I have never partnered on an event with anybody outside my family until this event. And I say outside my family, friend, not really outside my family. She's, I, I always call her cuz. What's up, cuz? What's up, cuz? She call me cuz. What's up, cuz? You know. But um, I've never partnered with anybody other than my brother, in fact, other than my brother, the one I just told you about. I've never partnered with anybody on an event before. So I'm glad we partnered up on this. Y'all ready? Say, I'm ready. Ready. All right. Excellent. Excellent. How many of you, how many of you want to create your own personal booming economy? Say, I do. How many of you, when I show you how to do it, you're going to do what it takes? Say, I am. Okay, then you are in the right place at the right time. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back in time. And I'm going to go back several hundred, no, I'm going to go back several thousand years. And what you have to understand about economics, what you have to understand about economics and an economy is that an economy is based on capital. An economy is based on what? Capital. Now, see, the problem is that most people don't know what capital is. Capital is really not money. Money is just a means of exchanging capital. Are y'all with me? Kind of, a little bit, maybe. But thousands of years ago, we lived in what's known as the agricultural age, and people who owned land were the wealthy people because land was capital. Everybody understand what I'm saying now? Land was capital not for uh, 10 years, not for 100 years, not for 1,000 years, but for thousands of years, the people who owned land owned wealth. Because land is where they grew their food, land is where they built their property, land is where they raised their cattle, so the people who had the most land had the most wealth. Everybody follow me so far? Say, I'm, I'm okay. Now, this was called the agricultural age. This lasted for thousands of years. Why did it last for thousands of years? It lasted for thousands of years because information was transferred very slowly. Primarily word of mouth, maybe written on scrolls, maybe written on animal skins, maybe written on sheep skins, written on different kinds of parchment paper. So in the agricultural age, information moved very slowly. And because information moved very slowly, wealth did not change hands very often. And this age lasted a long time. And land didn't change hands that often. And so what you had during these times is you had people who owned large plots of lands, and what they would do is they would get poor people, and they would call them peasant farmers. And peasant farmers would farm their land for them. And when these peasant farmers farmed their land for them, they farmed their land for food and shelter. That was their meager existence. So hence we have the term Landlords, lords and ladies, aristocracies, 
I was just over in London a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago, and I was amazed to see the difference of the thinking of people there than it is for the people here. They were telling me, I was talking to a bishop, he's a bishop of two churches, and I said, well, wh where's your church? He said, well, our church is now over here, it used to be down here, and we used to own this building, but now we rent a building. I said, well, what did you do, sell your other building? He said, no, the queen took it back. I said, what you mean? <laughs> took it. Like she bought it from you, right? No, she, she just took it because the aristocracy owns everything. How many of y'all would like to live in that kind of situation? And so what happened was for thousands of years, people who owned land had the wealth. Now, I don't know about, I didn't grow up owning any land. Mama didn't own any land. Daddy didn't own any land. Grandmama didn't own any land. Granddaddy didn't own any land. So when it got down to me, guess what I did? I didn't own any land either. Now I own some land now, but I didn't own any land then. But it came to the point back in the industrial age when people started figuring out technology that made work easier. Are y'all with me? They started making machines. And a machine may have started, you know, something as simple as a wheel and a lever and a prop, et cetera, et cetera. But then they got to the place where machines became automated. And in the industrial age, this is a new age, in the industrial age, people who owned machines and knew how to run those machines and hired people to run those machines, the people who owned the machines that made cars, made planes, made trains, made stuff, the people who owned machines and manufacturing owned wealth. Now the interesting thing about that is that wealth was a lot shorter lived. That kind of, that age, the industrial age was a lot shorter lived than the agricultural age. It didn't even last for a hundred years. The industrial age, you got people like Ford and Rockefeller and all these people made all this money with all these different machines and then all of a sudden we're not in the industrial age anymore. Now, here's what if, they, if you lived in the industrial age and you learned from somebody in the industrial age, they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to go be a peasant farmer. You say, you must be some kind of out your mind. Right? How many of y'all say that? Why? Because big corporations that own machines say, if you come work for me, what I'll do is I'll pay you a salary and I'll pay you every week. And then when you retire after 40 years of making me wealthy, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. It's just a different kind of peasant farming. How many of y'all with me? A different kind of indentured servitude, a different kind of slavery. And I, I don't really have time to go into the whole slave trade in America and all that. I don't have time to go into that except to say this. People became wealthy on the backs of slaves. A lot of people became wealthy on the backs of slaves um, in the early part of American history. And no, I don't even have time to go there. We're gonna have, that's a totally different lesson. Maybe I'll mention it tomorrow. But what I want you to understand is, what I want you to understand is, this, this age is gone, long gone. Everybody say long gone. long gone. This age is long gone. Everybody say long gone. Long gone. And I'm going to tell you something. I hear politicians talk. And they say what we want to do is we want to create more jobs. I'm going to tell you right now that creating more jobs only creates more poverty. Wow. Oh, creating jobs only creates more poverty? Why? Because creating jobs, more jobs creates more po poverty because a job is an industrial age idea where you are taking, where you are trusting someone else to come and take care of you because you don't know how to take care of yourself.
Hey Rob, is that CD is that CD case back there? Yeah, can you give it to the sound guy? I don't need it yet, but I just want to make sure it's there when I get ready. Okay, so now we no longer live in the industrial age. So what age do we live in? How many of y'all know that's a good question? See, that's what everybody thinks we live in the information age. Well, that's part of the age in which we live. But that's not the age in which we live. That's just part of the age in which we live. We live... I'm going to make sure I spell it right. In the techno... Info. We live in the techno info edutainment age. Now I'm going to tell you something. Bye. Yes. I know there's two of them. I'm not ready yet. We're going to put the, we're going to put the one in with the stars and stripes on it first. Okay. Um, in the techno info edutainment age. We live in the age of technology, information, and education through entertainment. Those who realize that are in store for a fortune. Shall I prove it to you? Y'all want, want to prove it to you? Say prove it, man. There was a time during the industrial age where if you were going to be an author, you had to go to the people who owned the printing press, the people who had the ability to print your books, edit your books, and put barcodes on your books. You had to go to somebody else for them to make your book happen. And now you can write a book on your computer. You don't even have to get it printed if you want, don't want to. You can sell it as an ebook. And when you sell an ebook, I like selling ebooks. You know what? Somebody say, why do you like selling ebooks? I like selling ebooks because you can sell an ebook that's half as thick for twice as much and they print it up on their own paper. That's an uh huh. Yeah, you clap for that. But if you choose to print it up, you can be like me, an unknown author, write a book, don't know if it's going to work or not, write a book called The Ebony Treasure Map, The Roadmap to Riches for African Americans. And then what happened? People were trying to talk me out of it. And I wrote it anyway. So what happened? What happened was the first week. Now, I went to, a, I went to a, a book marketing seminar the month before I published my book. And when I went to this book marketing seminar, I learned something. I learned there's 195,000 books published every year. I learned of those 195,000 books, less than 5% ever, everybody say ever, less than 5% ever sell 500 copies. But I knew mine was going to sell 500 copies. How did I know mine was going to sell 500 copies? I knew because I'm good, right? I knew mine was going to sell 500 copies. So how many copies did I get printed? 500, right? Because I don't like having inventory sit on the shelf. So I ordered 500 copies of this book. And the first week, we didn't sell 500 copies. Was I disappointed? No. You know why? Because we sold 900 copies the first week. And I didn't discount any of them. I just sold them for $20 a piece. Now I want you to understand something. 900 times 20 is $18,000. How many of y'all with me now? Now, here's what I also want you to understand. I want you to understand an unknown author sells 900 books, he only's got 500 copies. What is it, 500 copies printed, what does that mean he has to do? Got to print some more. So I printed 2,500 more. And in about, Six weeks, all 2,500 of those were gone. 
I was like, what took me so long to write a book? What was I waiting on? What's my problem? So I ordered 5,000 more. And a little while longer, those are gone. Now I ordered 15,000 more. You say, Myron, what are you saying? I am saying, what are you waiting on? How many of y'all with me? Ah, now, now, can, can I tell y'all how good the book business is? Is it okay if I share that with you? Y'all came in this event. I gave everybody who came to this event one of my books. And by the way, I did this for an illustration that I'm going to illustrate right now to show you how powerful the book business is. Everybody with me? I gave everybody. How many of y'all got a book when y'all came here? Everybody raise your hands. See, look around. Everybody got a book, right? But then, then yesterday, the very first thing I did was offered my book. How many of y'all bought my book after I gave you my book? Raise your hand. And as an author, I gave away my book to everybody here and then proceeded to sell $1,700 more books. Say, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because you, I don't want you to let the rest of your life watch you getting ready to get ready. But that's just a book. That's a book. That's education. How about entertainment? What about Tyler Perry? Tyler Perry wrote plays about things that happened to him growing up. See, Tyler Perry, all he did was he, he recognized and capitalized on something that all of us had. It's called family drama. <laughs> he wrote some plays, he videotaped the plays, and then what did he do? He sold them out of the trunk of his car. $20 a pop, $20 a pop. I can remember three, four years ago, I went over to my brother's house on Thanksgiving, and um, his girlfriend was saying, hey, you know what, we should, um, Hey, let's watch this Tyler Perry movie. I said, Tyler Perry? Yeah, Medea's family, Medea's family, what's that? And I watched this movie, you know, laughed. I said, this guy's pretty, this is pretty funny. But whoever, I'd never heard of him before. The first one I ever heard of was one of them little, you know, DVDs of a play. It wasn't a movie. And I, did y'all, how many of y'all saw Tyler Perry featured on Ebony Magazine either last month or the month before? How many of y'all read the story? I read the story. He's, they call him the richest movie maker not in Hollywood. Yeah, and he's a, he's, his, his, his movie empire is worth over $800 million. He, was, he didn't go through Hollywood channels. He started doing it his own independently, like we're teaching y'all how to do. He took his entertainment, produced it individually. Give, give Tyler Perry a hand. I met, I met, in fact, my brother Rob, who's here right now, told me about this guy he saw on C-SPAN. And I'm telling you these stories because I want you to understand the only difference between where you are and where you want to go is taking some action. Now here's what happens. A lot, of us get, a lot of us get immobilized by the action that we must take and we don't do anything because we become overwhelmed. But see, I'm going to make it simple for those 40 people that I'm going to select tonight. If you want to be one of those 40 people that I select tonight, stand up. I just want to see who you, I want to see who you are. Okay. Now, here's the qualification you have to have in order to be selected. You have to be able to read. No, I'm serious. Okay. All right. Y'all give, give these people a hand, by the way. Give these folks a hand. Y'all sit back down. And I met this, Rob told me about this guy. His name is Jenks Morton. How many of y'all ever heard of Jenks Morton? Jenks Morton is a documentarian. 
Lisa Nichols was just on this stage. She was in a documentary that did over, and a couple years ago, the numbers were over $112 million for a documentary. Jenks Morton did a documentary. Now, Jenks is a friend of mine now. I didn't know him then. Rob saw him on C-SPAN. I looked him up. He did a DVD called What Black Men Think. And for those of you who'd like to order a copy, you can order one from him. Or if you want to call my office next Tuesday, you can order one from us. Okay, because I bought, like, I think I bought 100 of them or 200 or 300 or something. I'm from. I just forgot to bring them with me. But Jenks Morton produced this DVD because he had been going around repeating a mistaken statistic that there are more black men in prison than there are in college. But there are actually more black men in college than there are in prison. And he said, man, that's a lie. I wonder how many other lies about us there are out there. And he went about to do research. And he did a documentary. And now, I'm going to show you some brilliant marketing here. Because I want you to understand what's possible. This is a guy who had a government job making $80,000 a year. And Jenks Morton, what he did was he rented a theater in Washington, D.C. He called in a bunch of media affiliates. He called in a bunch of his friends, and he previewed his movie. The next thing you know, he's on C-SPAN. He's on all these different TV shows. And the next thing you know, he's getting invited to speak at all these colleges for $5,000 a pop. Now, last year, July, his DVD came out. Last year, October, I met him. I said, Jenks. How many DVDs, this DVD sells for $20. How many DVDs have you sold since July? This is July to October. How many have you sold? He said, I've sold about 4,000. He speaks almost every day at a college for $5,000 a pop. Now, here's what I want to tell you. When he made his DVD, when he made his, when he created his documentary DVD, he didn't have a set. Sometimes it was a black wall behind the person. Sometimes it was a white wall. Sometimes they were outside on the sidewalk. And I promise you, the camera they used did not cost more than $300. But this is a man who had to call in sick one day to his job for the last time. You know what I mean by that, right? He called in sick, he said, boss, I ain't coming in today. I'm having some trouble with my eyes. Trouble with your eyes? James, what kind of trouble you having with your eyes? He said, I just can't see myself working for you. No way. <laughs> now, how many of you could find something I want you to hang in there with me now. How many of you could find something to do a documentary on? With a camera, a $200 camera and a $30 tripod. No backgrounds, no green screens, no fancy editing, just boom, boom, boom. And I'm telling you, I know it didn't cost him more than $1,000 to put the DVD together and he's getting paid. This is called the Black Millionaire Summit for a reason. How many of y'all with me say I am? Now, I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna come a little bit, bring it a little bit closer to home. I was at a friend of mine's house one day. This friend is, I call him Treble Clef. Because when he walks, musical notes fall off of him. I'm serious, he's a musician's musician. And I was at his house one day, I said, hey man, what's going on, Bernie, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said one of my Myronisms, I don't know, one of my little quotes, quips, or whatever it was. He said, ooh, I like that. You know how musicians talk. Ooh, I like that, that has rhythm. I said, that's spoken like a true musician. What do you mean it has rhythm? He said, oh man, all words have rhythm. He said, really? I said, he said, yeah, I'll show you what I mean. He walked over his little piano and he played the notes that he heard when I said the words that I said. I said, boy, you know you bad. He said, oh no, that's easy, my music is easy for me. This is a man who's done music for Destiny's Child. This is a man who's done music for Sony Records. This is a man who's produced music. How many of y'all ever heard of that documentary, Pass It On? Okay, he's the guy who did the music for the documentary, Pass It On. He said, man, music is easy for me. He says, words that are hard for me. Well, I'm a poet. How many of y'all know I'm a poet? 
I'm a poet. I ain't playing. I'm a poet. I said, Bernie, words are easy for me. It's music that's hard for me. And all of a sudden, ka-ching, <laughs> the light bulb went off in my head, right? So I said, Bernie, why don't we create a project together? He said, uh, now they're trying to sing over here, but y'all want to hear some real singing here tonight. Uh, I said, Bernie, I said, Bernie, you I said, let's work on a project together. I said, I'll go home, I'll write a song, and when I write the song, I'll email you the words, and then you can create a music. Now, I am not kidding. I typed up the words to a song that night. I emailed them to him, because we had the More Heart Than Talent conference coming up in January in Dallas. Mark Victor Hansen, Jim Rohn, uh, Jerry Clark, um, Jeffrey Combs, uh, myself, Artemis Limpert, Ellie Drake, all these different speakers, More Heart Than Talent conference. I said, I'm going to write a song called More Heart Than Talent for the conference. So I typed the words. The next morning, he emailed me a rough draft of this song. So if you can play for me just a few minutes of the first track. I want you, I want, y'all want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. To them, it often seems that I'll never measure up, never make it on the team. How many of y'all have been picked last when I'm looking in the mirror? I'm reminded of my dream. I know I'm a champion. More heart than talent is my thing. When it's time for me to dream again. Time for me to take my place with the others and the victory lane and the winners of the race. So won't you come and join us? All the inspired, let me all inspire. Free and brave. Before you reach the grave, you can live the life you always dreamed of. It's more hard than talent. Ain't that good? Okay, go ahead and stop crying. Ain't that good? Now that was, I mean, he did the rough draft, and then we, we had to take it to the studio and get it mixed and mastered, but he did the rough draft. I said, you did that that fast? I said, why are you mad? So you know what I did? <laughs> Typed up another one. I said, I said, Bernie, this song, I want it to have kind of uh, like a Rocky type theme. I, I, I want the name of the song to be Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. So I wrote the words. Send it to Bernie. Bernie did the song. Go ahead, play track two. If you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's come together. Cause birds of a feather must flock together. Teamwork makes the dream work. So let's dream together. Teamwork makes the dream work. How many of y'all never heard this before? Watch this. I surround myself with champions. Turn it up a little bit. They can carry their own weight. They're thinking on a higher level. They don't hesitate. They give all they have to give to realize the dream. And everybody needs somebody to make a winning team. I found out teamwork makes the dream work. It takes all of us to make the world go round. Who will make the world go round? I know now that what? Teamwork makes the dream work. You need me, I need you, and guess what? Together we can make this dream come true. 
You have to feel some help. But you can utilize it. If you start participating, then you'll realize it. Watch this. It's the dream that helps the team have a champion heart. And the whole of every winning team is greater than all of its parts. Okay, go ahead and stop it, Brian. Ain't that good? Sony Records permission to do that. I didn't have to ask Columbia Records permission to do that. Now, I just got back from London. They were telling me, the guy that was assigned to me to assist me that week was telling me there was a guy who lives in London who was a businessman downtown the municipality would not give him a parking pass. So he had to find a private citizen that owned a parking, a parking space. And he had to buy that parking space from a private citizen. How much do you think he paid for it? Wild guess. How much? Fifty dollars? A thousand dollars? Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which is about a half a million dollars for a parking spot. And you know what I said? I love America. <laughs> you can get a whole house over here for two hundred and fifty thousand, and he got a parking spot. And I, I wrote up another song. I wrote up another song, and I, I said. I want this to have like a Yankee Doodle type sound because, because America is known as the land of the free and the home of the brave. But I want to ask you a question. Go ahead and push play on track three. America is known as the land of the free, home of the brave, but how many people do you know who are really free? Think about that. I submit to you that so few people are free because so few people are brave. Listen to these words. I live this song every day. I live, this is my life. You say, I do. Excellent, excellent. The next song, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I've got a couple more I want you to hear. Y'all okay? Say, I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, I ain't gonna wear you out, but I want y'all to see what's possible. The next song is called Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. I, I was out down in Texas one time, I heard a man say, if you see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. And all we are, you look at us and you're looking at us saying, oh, they're so amazing and wonderful, all Dr. Fran, all Myron, all Jerry, all Lisa here. All we are is turtles sitting on the fence post that somebody else helped us get there. Play this song. Go ahead and play the next track. I think it's number one. Standing on the shore, giant. There's a giant. Yeah. yeah. See, I got where I am because someone reached out and helped me to stand being an independent man. Because I'm standing on the 
Think about it. Russell Simmons was here this morning. What did he do? He said, okay. You don't want to give me a record label? Don't want to give me a record deal? I'll start my own record label. I'll give me a record deal. It's called a clue, y'all. It's called, that, that CD that you just heard is called edutainment. Edutainment. Edu entertainment that educates. It's education that entertains. And that's the business. That is the wave of the future. Using technology to pass on information to educate while it entertains and to entertain while it educates. See, somewhere along the line, we got the idea that education is supposed to be boring. But it's not. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's what, here's what, um, here's what, um, what speakers have gone to. Um, now, there is a new model. You want to put the other CD in there, Brian? A lot of people are selling CDs, but I'm going to tell you something. The new model of motivation, the new era, the next era of motivation, the next era of speaking, the next era of what speakers are producing already. And I'm talking about Les Brown, I'm talking about Jim Rohn, I'm talking about Art Williams, I'm talking about Zig Ziglar, I'm talking about a lot of major speakers, what they are promoting or what they are producing now is more edutainment empowerment than just education empowerment. How many of y'all want to hear some clips of some edutainment empowerment? Yes? Okay. Um, so if you would play for me track 55 on that DVD. You see it? I think he does. The reason we create wealth so fast is because we can never catch up with the demand. We can never catch up with the demand for the education and the entertainment of the people who desire it. Y'all with me? You can't. Will it, not, will it not play, Brian? I'm ready. The people that want to step into their greatness are hungry. You gotta be hungry. You gotta be hungry. What is your legacy? What will your statement be? Resolve every day, read it every day. I refuse to die an unlived life. Well, I like to leave this with you. That mom used to love to hear me say, she said, boy, I say that thing for you, and I dedicate this to you, to the greatness that's within you, because it's there, it's there, it's there. If you want to think bad enough to go out and fight for life, to work day and night for, to give up your time, your peace, and sleep for, if all that you dream and scheme is about it, and life seems useless and worthless without it. And if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it and lose all your terror of the opposition for it, and if you simply go after that thing that you want with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope, and confidence, and stern pertinacity, if neither cold poverty, famine, or sickness or pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim you besiege and beset it, the help of God, you'll get it. Okay, you can turn that off. You can stop it. I'm going to tell you right now. Give it up for Les Brown. Give it up for Les Brown. Is that good? Now, I happen to know a guy who produces this stuff, and he's a very good guy, and he's a very good friend of mine, and he does very good work. But here's how much it costs to produce a CD like that. $15,000. Wow. It was exciting at first, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Technology, everybody say this with me. Technology, Technology. Makes, everything makes everything 
available to everybody. Aren't y'all excited about that? Okay, now, I, um, I've got, some, I've got some of my, several of my students in the room. One of my students is, and uh, by the way, this is the Black Millionaire Summit. Now, how many of y'all know that we've gone to enough events where we were in the minority? Huh? And wouldn't it have been nice to be recognized? Hey, you know what? These folks are here and they're being, you know, a blessing. And some, we got a couple of folks in here who aren't even black folks, been here for the whole event. We got Dan back here, Dan, and he gave me a testimony. And I, I didn't mean to call attention to you, Dan, but I did. So, hey, here it is. It is what it is. Okay. We got, we, got, we got Dan here, and Dan was telling me yesterday, was it yesterday or today? Maybe it was today. I don't remember. About that you've been to a lot of seminars, but this is about... Make up their own mind. It's like, sell, 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 sell. Yeah. So this has been a this has been a good event for you, Dan. Blew you away. Excellent. Also, we have back here a good friend of mine of 26 years, David Mitchell. David, go ahead and say hey to everybody. David Mitchell and I. He taught me how to play golf, so he's one of my favorite people in the world. And uh, and uh, and uh, David David has an MBA, and David um, David has owns a very several very successful businesses but he came to a four-day training of mine last October with his son-in-law and his daughter and Dave could you just come down here you don't have to come up on the platform could you just come down and just real quickly and I, I've only got about four five three four five minutes left so it has to be really really short <laughs> okay and uh, Dave came to my training, and you know, he knew me when I was 21. Okay, he knew me when I was broke and beyond broke, right? Okay, he knew me when I was broke and beyond broke. And um, but he came to my training, so just kind of share with people um, the value that you've learned and how much money you've made as a result of coming to that training. All right. Thank you, Myron, and thanks for inviting my family and I to have a booth out here too. Absolutely, Enjoy. absolutely. Well. Golf is an amazing game, <laughs> and it's so awesome that he neglected to tell you that I also introduced him to his wife. But he yes, told he you that I introduced him to golf. Now, now I'm not going to tell Tony about that, are you? You're not going to tell Tony about that. Well, but, you're tough, uh, you're tough. So I'm one of his favorite people in the world because Tony's a wonderful Double, person. Absolutely. But uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I had a dream about a year ago uh, of an idea that I had where I wanted to create something that would help typical families become wealthy families through the idea of the family business. Because I'm a fourth generation family businessman. And uh, Katie and Dave, if you met them out here this week, they're fifth generation family business in our family. So I wanted to, to produce something that would teach others how to create a family legacy through their own family business, but I didn't have a clue how to market it. And I've got an MBA degree from Baylor University, so I mean, I've had marketing. <laughs> but I knew that for the last 20 years, Myron has been taking amazing information and bringing it down to the place and then creating systems where typical people like myself can understand all the stuff he has studied. So I went to a couple of his seminars. I went to his uh, basic seminar, which was the Six Figure Business School, and I went back to the 2020. 
And uh, the 2020, wasn't that uh, yeah. four days? Four days. Four yeah. days four seminar. Days. And, I, and I brought Dave and Katie with me. Yes. Now, they, they're not here they're to not give their here. testimony, but Dave and Katie had just graduated. Both graduated from Laterno University down in East Texas with marketing degrees. They won international first place in the international contest for marketing. And they went with me. And I've got an MBA degree, and all of us on the way home, we said, you know, they said, we, we won all these awards in college. And I said, well, you know, I, I go and speak to colleges about business. And I said, and we said, we have never seen anything like what he taught in those four days. So, and I can't even begin to tell you about it, but you'll get but just some of it. Tell them how much money so, you made So, the then, first event, I, now, now this was like in, all, in the end of October. Yes. And then the holidays happened. So then, but then we were able to do our first event, and we had... Like, and that was in February, right? Yeah, yeah. We had like uh, 15 people there. And some of you may be thinking that you you got to have a group like this. You know, we had 15 people there. And in a day and a half, we made $30,000. That was my first event yeah. uh, after his seminar. And the now, total, total amount. Well, right. I was going to say. And, and then since then, it's been seven months. And <laughs> we've made $70,000. To seven months from that, we're on track to make a hundred thousand or more the first year after his seminar, and uh, so can can I give you a kiss? No, no. I'll do that. <laughs> you can't give we, uh, we're we're thrilled to death. All right, so we're happy you're here. Thanks. Give it up for David Mitchell, y'all. Thank you, Dave.